Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy. Uh, we're going to talk about this idea of just being with today, um, but I want to set up why we're talking about that. Um, so last week we talked about insecurity with God. Uh, we've been talking about attachment. Attachment is this system that we have uh, that drives us to want to connect to the people that we care about most. Um, and so we were talking last week about what are the things that undermine that connection and security and trust of God. Uh, and this week I want to talk about what it might look to increase some security with God. But it's hard because our attachment system mostly operates in the right hemisphere, which is not the logical part of my, our brain. It's not the verbal part. Um, it's, not, it's changed by experience. It's not really changed by more information or ideas. Um, so that's why sometimes learning more Bible verses doesn't help. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that. Um, but yeah, sometimes that, you know, it doesn't quite do the trick of increasing that safety and security with God. So today I wanted to talk about the ways that that is grown. So that idea of security is grown through being with, in relationships, um, and then with God. But the trick, the tricky part with God is that God is invisible. So how do you just be with God? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this idea of communion, uh, which builds secure attachment, and then also this way that we perpetuate insecure attachment through constant evaluation. So let's start with an idea of what this constant evaluation is like. Anyone else here a golden child? Because I was, I definitely lost that title. Um, But I was when I was a kid. And the good thing about being a golden child is that you get lots of positive evaluation, right? Like you do good things and it's like, he's the well-behaved one. And yeah, but the problem is it's still being evaluated, even if it's positive. It's still, you start to learn to see yourself through others' eyes of judgment, even if that's a positive thing, right? I have some clients whose parents were always proud of them, but they were always focused on their accomplishments and performance, not on the person that they were. And so being proud, um, giving positive feedback to kids is an important part of being a parent. But we need more than just that. If we have just that, it creates this sense of uh, value based on what we do and how we're performing. So I want to contrast that with communion. Um, So communion is this idea of being with. Um, And I love this picture because this is a parent who's actually mirroring their child, right? It's, It's not about like doing something. It's just being with her. And you can see the joy and delight that he has. And so I also want to, of course, acknowledge that communion is a ritual we do at church. We'll come back to that. Um, But it's also a psychological term. And it's this idea of like a parent getting on the floor and playing with their kids or rubbing your back at night or saying, oh, I see that you're really sad. It's what psychologists call right brain to right brain connection. Our right hemisphere Right, our right brain reads body language. It's connected to our emotions. It doesn't really care about words. 
it's not about the content, it's about responsiveness in the moment, the sharing of emotions. And so when we were talking a minute ago about people where there's just that feeling of comfort and connection, right? It's not about getting something done, it's not about being evaluated, it's just being with. And it really caught my attention as I was reading some of this research, uh, this psychoanalyst named Frederick Bochner, he calls this communion, this idea of being with as opposed to parents that just are always evaluating their kid, even if it's a positive thing. Another term for this idea of communion is uh, yield state. Um, so it's a baby being held. We can go back. Yeah. So look at this really cute baby, right? Being, just being held, just being relaxed, right? So that's what it looks like as a baby. For toddlers, it's playing games, uh, we play a lot of Uno at our house with my four-year-old. Uh, with your partner, it might be looking into their eyes um, or just sitting down to coffee with a good friend. And what actually happens is when we can get into that state of connection, that yield state, it regulates our digestion. It tells us when we're full. Um, it helps our sleep. Um, it helps us regulate emotions. We need to be in this yield state of just being with in order to function healthfully. And this actually, this yield state is what mindfulness and meditation tries to help us towards, if anyone here practices that, right? It's not a time of striving or judging. It's a way of being in the present. And when we learn to do that with others, it calms our nervous system. And so really, this is the way that we start to build this secure attachment with God is finding a way of being with him Right, being with God that is that's not about evaluation and how we're doing, but it's just being with. And I think this is why the way that we've been told the the gospel in some circles doesn't resonate very well. I know growing up for me, it was like God is perfect, God needs you to be perfect, and then Jesus made you good. Right? But we don't really want to be told, Oh yeah, you're good enough. We want to be told, I like you just the way you are. Right, uh, we can look at that Mr. Rogers slide. Um, right, this is like, that's the gospel I think that we want to be told. is isn't like, oh, like, I've evaluated you and you're good enough now. It's like, I like you just the way you are. Um, and for me, reading a lot of queer theology has been really life-giving to me because I've gotten this idea of like being like just as you are in this way that I think wasn't present um, prior to the last couple decades. And I think that's why the, the prodigal son story is so powerful, right? We long to be wrapped up in a hug. I have a good picture of a hug, right? This is like what we long for. We don't want to be told, oh yeah, I think you're good enough. Like you're good enough for me. We want like the, you know, the father that runs and just embraces his son. And that's what secure attachment is. And that's the difference between evaluation and communion, Unfortunately, um, a lot of times church is a place of evaluation. Uh, we show up on Sunday morning and it's like, how am I doing in my walk? Um, is God close or far? Which is totally based on my performance. Um, without concrete ways of knowing God's closeness, our right hemisphere comes up with those answers. And if you have a lot of shame, like I grew up with a lot of shame, then usually the answers that your right hemisphere comes up with is like, God is far, God is disgusted with me, God doesn't want to be near me, I'm not doing good enough, right? And actually, like, going to Sunday services, not for everyone, but 
for some of us can trigger that just like I'm just judging myself the whole time. And that actually perpetuates that insecure attachment. I think that there are ways that allows us to move into this yield state, this communion, um, but I think that there are some ways that we've sort of moved away from, and I want to talk about why that is. Also, it sounds like I'm super pro, like, high church liturgical in the sermon. Uh, I really like being here, and I like my evangelical tradition, um, but I think that we need more balance. I think that there are things that we can take from the high church that are really helpful. But the reason that we moved away from tradition is we didn't want dead tradition, right? We wanted this real relationship with Jesus, which I think is really powerful. But at the same time, if it's just up to us to determine what that relationship is like, then again, our right hemisphere is going to be doing the thing of like, am I close enough? Are we good? Um, It's sort of like a self-evaluation form, right? You're like, you have to like sit down and like talk about how good you're doing. And that's not just at church, that can be quiet times. I know for me growing up, quiet time was like, I don't know if I was given this explicitly, but it was always like, I'm supposed to sit and pray and God's going to tell me the things that I need to be doing better, right? And then um, Billy Graham and others made lordship teaching popular, which says like, if Jesus isn't the Lord of your whole life, then he isn't Lord of your life at all which means that we have to constantly be evaluating. We have to be constantly judging ourselves. It made me think about the song, Be Careful Little Eyes, What You See. Has anyone, like, thought about those words recently? It's like, you know, be careful little eyes, what you see, because the Father up above is looking down in love. I don't understand, like, why you have to be careful. It's like, maybe initially it was like, because the Father up above is looking down in judgment and wrath. But then they're like, that doesn't really fit. But it really creates this, like, psychological dissonance, right? Like, be careful, little eyes, what you see, because the Father up above is looking down in love, right? It's just this constant evaluation, and that doesn't build trust. But then the question is, how do we do it differently? So I think we do need things that communicate to us right brain to right brain, that communicate to our bodies that we are safe, that God's love is unconditional. But we can't go get a hug from God, Um, but I think that the rhythms of church can, if we can step out of the evaluation mindset, can actually create some of that secure attachment. So babies need a rhythm of being rocked. And when we come to church, we stand up, we sit down, we sing together, we take communion. These are all things that as we do it week to week, just like a baby, it creates the sense of safety, of predictability, of rhythm. And again, you, it, doesn't work very well if the whole time you're thinking, how am I doing, you know, how am I performing? But if it's a way of just being in the present, this can be really healing actually to our nervous systems. I really like communion because I I felt a lot of ways about communion. I'm really glad that we had that conversation three weeks ago uh, about communion. But I've come to this place where communion is like either you do it or you don't do it which is, like, easier than, like, am I far, am I close, this, like, whole evaluation spectrum. It's, like, sort of like pass-fail. Not to say that you fail if you don't take communion. Um, But it's simply God is here with me, and this bread and this wine reminds me of his covenant that he'll always be there. Um, And I did want to mention, if you don't take communion, that's fine. I really think that communion is to remind us of God's everlasting love. So he doesn't need, God doesn't need us to take it. 
this for our benefit. So if, if not taking it is good for you, I think God is totally fine with that. Also, there's this passage where Paul talks about examining yourself before communion, which I think a lot of people have a lot of, at least some people have some baggage around. Um, and I think Paul was like talking about this dysfunctional church system, which is really sad because I think that communion is one way that we can really get out of that evaluating state. I think that it's a way of like, yeah, I'm just here, and this is a reminder that God loves me no matter what. So I want to pause and think about, like, what are the evaluation activities that we end up doing um, in our spirituality? Um, and I wanted to start with, yeah, so I love this, this self-evaluation. Um, and I was thinking about The Good Place, uh, which is one of my favorite TV shows, would not suggest watching the last episode on your last day at Disneyland. It feels like your universe is ending. That was what I did. Ended up crying over a breakfast burrito. Um, but with the, one of the things in the show is there's this point system of like, you know, all the good things you did and the bad things you did. And you're in and out, in or out, based on your deeds. And in the church, we know that we're saved by grace, so our deeds look a little bit different, right? We um, need to make sure that I'm feeling bad enough about my sin, or I need to make sure that I really believe in God enough. Um, Paul Tillich talks about how we conjure up feelings of unworthiness to earn our forgiveness. We sing songs like, I want to love you more, because we're wondering, like, I don't think that I love God enough, so I need him to help me love him more. Um, and a lot of times we go to learn to be better Christians. And there is a time to reflect on, like, how are we living? We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I think that for a lot of us, church has become this just, like, I go there and I am just thinking, like, how am I doing? How am I performing? How close am I? How far am I? And I was thinking about this experience of mine because this was my church experience for a lot of years. And I was thinking about this time that sort of broke the mold on that. About 10 years ago, uh, my grandma died. Um, it was expected. It wasn't particularly traumatic. Um, and I wanted to go to her funeral, but there uh, was a family member uh, that had done a lot of harm to me, and we weren't reconciled. Um, and so I wasn't sure if I wanted to go, but we decided we would drive six, six hours down to Southern Oregon, go to the funeral, and just drive back that same day, another six hours back. And the next day I was at church, and I was just sitting there, and I just felt like God said, that was really hard for you. And that was really different for me than the, like, striving, like, how am I doing? It was God actually saying, like, I see your experience, and I'm here with you. And that was so powerful to me and made me think about church in a way of, like, maybe this isn't just about me trying to get close to God. Maybe this is God sitting with me in my experience. And I think that we have a new way of being with God. We can have practices that don't require us to think about how hard we're doing. So breathing prayer can be a great way of just being with God. Singing songs together. If it's not about this, like, how, you know, am I, am I being passionate enough? But if it's just singing songs together, that actually is really calming to our right brain. As humans, being together and doing something that includes not only our mind but our body really can remind us of God's everlasting love. Sitting quietly and knowing God's presence is here with me. 
These are the consistent experiences over and over that remind our bodies that God loves us consistently um, and no matter what. And we see this in scripture. So God, it's interesting, God always, when he asks Israel to build things, it's to remind, maybe not consistently, but often enough, it's to remind Israel of his love, right? So he asks them to put up memorials, um, and we can look at the 12 stones picture. When I typed in 12 stones, there was this like Christian new metal band in like the early 2000s. I thought about putting a picture of them up there, um, but yeah, but you know, this is, this is the thing that God asks Israel to do, and it's not like, oh, I need your glory. I need you to tell me how great I am. It's actually for the people. God is saying, I want to give you this concrete reminder of my love, which tells me that it's not something that we need to figure out in our heads, right? We need, as humans, we need concrete reminders to look to to remind us of God's love. And so I also want to acknowledge that uh, many of us have a hard time believing in God's unconditional love. We've been told that our relationship with God is really fragile. Um, And some of that comes from Martin Luther, Martin Luther thought during the Reformation, he thought Paul was saying that the law determined whether you're in or out, and so we've read that into the Old Testament, but uh, more recent scholarship shows that the way that Israel understood it is if you're born Jewish, you are God's people. There's nothing that can change that. And then the law is about how do we do this together, so I was thinking, like, where, where do I get this, these ideas of, like, conditionality? And I was reminded of McGee and Me, uh, which was uh, this TV show that I watched when I was a kid from Focus on the Family. Um, and I know not everyone has, like, the same evangelical background that I do, so I'll, I'll explain it. In the first episode, uh, Nick, he lies about his neighbor, right, and then he confesses to his parents And his dad says, you know, the thing about sin, you have to be careful because sin cuts off our relationship from God. And I was like, man, if an 11-year-old by telling a lie can cut off his relationship with God, then like the rest of us are screwed, right? And especially because we've been told like you, it's not about works, it's about your relationship with God that that your salvation is based on, right? So it, it just makes sense that we would have to evaluate ourselves all the time. It goes back to that preoccupied attachment where it's like, I can't trust you to just leave, or I can't trust you to stay. I'm afraid you're just going to leave. So I have to put in all this effort to make sure that you stay close. What's been really important to me to build security with God is to believe that God has just relentlessly pursues me. Um, One thing that's really, has been really powerful for me has been um, in the first three centuries of the church there is this artwork of Jesus going into hell and pulling people out. Um, it's called the harrowing of hell. And that is so perfect, uh, like a perfect image for me. I've always been afraid that I'm going to end up going to hell. And so having this picture of a God that like, even if I end up in hell, like he's going to come and pull me out of it, has really uh, done a lot to reduce my anxiety and increase my security with God. And I think um, we won't go into it too much, but hell anxiety is a real thing and I think does so much to undermine our trust with God. One thing that I love about Scripture is um, that God covenants to Israel and he never 
never cuts off relationship. There's like some different threats. He'll be like, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to throw you out. And, and then he's like, oh, but then I remember when you were a baby and you were so cute. Um, it's sort of like God is attached or something. Um, and then Jesus comes and both the communion table and his sacrifice on the cross points to this idea of these are symbols that I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And so really we can relax. And so in the same way that Yahweh promised loyalty to Israel, Jesus promises that same loyalty to all the nations. And I know for me that it's been really helpful to be able to relax. It's not up to me to like stay a person of God. And so when we have this idea of God's unconditional love, that actually does allow us to grow and reflect on our behavior. One of the things in attachment science is when people have secure attachment, they are much, much more able to look at their behavior and the impact that they have on others. They actually are, imagine that, more mature people. Um, and they can look at, like, what are things that I'm doing that isn't working um, and how do I want to change that? And I was thinking about Israel and the law um, and I was thinking also about Dan Siegel, who's this expert in neuroscience and attachment, and he tells parents to connect, then redirect. So it's this idea of like getting down, making eye contact, letting your kid know that the relationship isn't on the line. And then you can talk about like, hey, you like screaming and slamming your door, that's not how we act in this family. But we're not talking about our relationship, we're talking about your behavior. And that's actually what God does, is he's like, you're my people, I have made a covenant to you, and also, here's this law that's actually this thing I'm giving to you for your benefit. It's not the conditions on whether you're in or out. And um, actually, that's something that I love about Cascade. Um, if you, I think Cascade Connect is today, so uh, sorry about jumping the gun on that, but um, in the... Uh, Cascade Connection, Sarah and Kurt will talk about like the framework of, of Cascade is we center around Jesus and you're not in or out based on your beliefs or your behavior. And that actually, with that, with that knowledge of acceptance, it actually allows us to have the important conversations about beliefs and behavior. It's not that those things aren't important at all, but if I know that I'm going to be loved and accepted no matter what, then I can talk about, like, my views on hell, for example, right? Like, I've been in churches before where it's like, I can't talk about this really important issue because that means I'm going to get kicked out. I'm going to be an outsider. And God does the same thing. He's like, hey, I'm here no matter what. And we can still reflect on, you know, how is, how is my behavior impacting myself and others? Um, but it's not going to, like, rock my relationship with God. I wanted to, um, as we look at where do we go with this, um, one of the values of Cascade is an invitation to presence. And so um, that's the idea of showing up, being present in our bodies, and not getting stuck in our heads. And I think that's important for Sunday mornings, um, but it's important for the whole week. So I want to think about, like, what are some examples of communion spiritual practices to increase security. Um, one thing that comes to mind is how God instituted Sabbath. So thinking about that yield state, that's, that's exactly what 
what uh, psychologists are describing of just this idea of being with. There's no goal, right? There's not evaluation. We're just spending time together as a community. And Jesus talks about how Sabbath is for our benefit. It's not, it's not like to glorify God. Um, it's because we need it. So I think like finding periods of rest, uh, Lectio Divina, we talked about that last week, where you read scripture and you notice what comes up inside. It's not like, all right, I got to figure out what this means and what I need to do and what are the marching orders, right? It's just like this way of being with scripture in this really mindful way that, again, that like communicates to our hemisphere, our right hemisphere safety, right? It's not like, how am I doing? It's just like, what's my interaction with this right now? And I'm going to be curious about that. Breathing prayer can be really helpful. I do that sometimes where I'm like, okay, there are a million other productive things I could be doing right now, but I'm going to trust God that I'm going to survive without doing those for like two minutes while I do some breathing prayer. Um, On Sunday mornings, I tell myself, like, this is a chance to recognize God's presence, not to gain it. Um, It also might mean noticing that God is showing you compassion for how hard your work your week has been. You know, it's just, I was thinking about this uh, David Bazan song about how it's hard to be a decent human being. Maybe some of you are familiar. And I think it's just like hard to be a human being, you know. And I think church a lot of times um, hasn't allowed a lot of space for just how hard it is to make it for week to week and allow God to speak into that in a compassionate way. So lastly, I wanted to share with you one of my spiritual practices as sort of a way of just getting the wheels turning about what this might look like for you. One of my spiritual practices is playing video games. Uh, This is one of my favorite video games, Uh, which sounds weird, but um, I'm someone that, like, I got to always be doing something, got to be productive, need to be busy. And so at some point, it was like, hey, I am going to trust. This actually takes a lot of trust that God loves me and delights in me even if I'm wasting time playing video games. It doesn't mean like playing video games all the time, but it is, for me, sometimes it's like, okay, like I'm just going to like do whatever I want to do and notice that God is with me. I don't need to strive. Um, so it's a little bit of, I don't think like Thomas Merton ever talked about that, a little bit out of the box. Um, but hopefully it gets you thinking about like what are ways that feel really natural to me to start to build, rebuild that security with God. Thank you guys so much for these last couple of weeks. And, um, and I'm really excited to just hear uh, kind of as a community what it looks like for us to move into this, this being with state and out of the evaluation. Thanks. Thanks.